Welcome back, y'all, to episode 190 of the Zachary Wingate podcast, where we go 365 days bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short form podcast as well as informing, as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. So I got a request to cover a potential topic or something that's going on within the news last week. I don't know if you guys have been tracking it, but it is actually the train derailment in East Palestine or East Palestine. I'm just going to call it East Palestine, Ohio. Um, it's really kind of becoming an interesting case. Um, a few just points off the top is it's probably considered one of the largest chemical crashes of a train in the history of the United States, um, which in itself kind of takes on a lot right there. And I, I think within this podcast, what I'm going to talk about is really going into detail for a couple, couple things, really focusing on, you know, potentially how it happened, with why it happened, what was lost, what procedures were put in place, and who's at fault. I think there's a lot of different. Um, things going on within this case that's interesting from the research I've come up with and I have some opinions on it. So let's go ahead and get into it. So on February 3rd of 2023, approximately 11 Eastern in the evening, Norfolk Southern Frain Trail derailed and caught fire east of East Palestine, Ohio. Information provided by the railroad indicated that a number of tanks containing hazardous materials, including vinyl chloride and propylene, was leaked as breached within the um, railroad trailers, the freight train. Because the vinyl chloride was involved in a derail car, it was burned or being heated while vile chlorine is flammable as a significant concept of the generation of the toxic compound, products can be created. So within this, what you had is what they indicate as believe, boiling liquid expanded vapor explosion, which you would have had at 3 um, Eastern. So you have a lot of these derailments and the cars exploding. So why, why, why did the cars actually explode? So... What happened is whenever you have a massive derailment or cars being actually crashed, you have process being put into place in which the FAA has created in its handbook called Vent and Bum Procedures. Essentially, what this means is you're setting up explosions or burning these chemicals or these hazardous waste materials. So whatever is, so the protocol is if you crash and these chemicals are exposed, in order for it not to get into the watershed, river, things like that, it's best to burn it. So whenever we look at the fires of this, more than likely a lot of it was actually controlled burns that were being put in place in order to make sure not to allow this to seep into the watershed, which is a pretty big deal. Now, whenever we look at vinyl chloride as a whole, the majority of it is actually created to make PVC pipe, um, your credit cards, things like that. And usually it's in a hard form. It's only in liquid and ever being transported. 
Now, we had a crash about 10, 10, about a decade ago within New Jersey on the actual the PA border where they had another small dose of vinyl chloride actually crashing in, in within Eastern Palestine. It's actually about 80% more. So as a result of that, they had to actually um, they evacuated the town for a week. But it isn't really in comparison to this crash, which had a roughly about 16 tankers crashed. I think it's roughly 16,000 gallons, and it's a lot of vinyl chloride and other chemicals that have been released. Um, and whenever you kind of look at what happened is the EPA called in a lot of their contractors, like Arcadia, which is a contractor they do a lot with testing soil, testing water, come in, and they wrote a thorough report. And you also had another company called in, come in, that the EPA uses, which is called Tesseltech. So whenever these situations happen, the EPA isn't putting necessarily their bodies on the ground. They're more facilitating almost like a project manager, and they're having these contractors come in and do a lot of the work. And the contractors, what they did is actually created some documents that indicated it. And what they determined is they were testing for the materials that were kind of pulled to them by the railroad company, Northern Southerner, because at the time they wouldn't have known all the chemicals. Obviously, there is a log for all these chemicals, but with how quickly they um, went in to look at it, they looked at for how quickly they went, they had to monitor based on that. So whenever they looked at it, they're trying to determine a couple key factors. They're looking at things like the carbon monoxide, hydrogen sulfide, low exploitment limb LED, the oxygen levels, and kind of putting to everything in together into full-on tests in order to determine if there is any situations or issues. Now, presumably what they determined is that there wasn't anything at a risk at the moment. Um, but this whole story is really interesting, and the information is still coming in. And presumably what happened is the governor within West Virginia is testing maybe some chemicals within their water um, and informing the governor of Ohio. So you have the situation within this town where you have a chemical, a chemical disaster that happens as a result of the railroad. Um, they follow the handbook guidelines of the Department of Transportation for Railroads, and they burn all the chemicals, they test it, and they have to wait a little bit, and they're trying to determine if there's not anything else. Now, what's crazy is this story has really taken off, and it's even really popular. It's like was one of the number one st uh, trending stories in Weibo, which is a Chinese social media app, and they're indicating it. it's, the, it's the equivalent of the Chernobyl if you will, of the United States, which isn't even possible because people can't even go to Chernobyl still, and they had to do massive evacuations. It's chemical, but it's not radioactive. It's not comparable, right? So what's happening, though, is there is potential monitoring of it if it is going into other watersheds. Now, what's really interesting about vinyl chloride is when it burns, it has the ability to attach to um, moisture molecules which potentially could impact the water or maybe the rain. But right now, it's really hard to determine it. Even if you could test for this, it's like there's no test to do it within this very moment. It's going to take time. It's like you can look at the soil, you can look at the water compound at the moment, and then you can look at what's going on in the air. But it's going to take more and more intensive studies than what could potentially be done within that day. And that's kind of the issue that a lot of people are running into. So... You know, they're just going to have to keep testing it, and, and they evacuated the area. Now, whenever I did a deep dive on potentially what I think the issue could be, I really follow on a 
kind of trending term that's happening within railroad. And what they call it is precision, precision scheduling railroad or PSR. Now I'm going to read this to you. And if you can figure out what it means, I'll be impressed because it took me a little bit. In the operation method of running a railroad for maximus, maximum, maximum asset utilization by which freight movement and schedules and management of the individual car rather than the entire train level. The contribution of the effectiveness involves for the instant using direct to point routing bypass classification terminals. Okay, so when you hear that, you're like, okay, that sounds good. It sounds like they're just doing better weight management distribution. But here's the issue is originally people used to look at train cars as moving freight, as measuring as a whole. The PSR system kind of breaks it down and focuses on weight per, per cart, which could potentially be bad because you're weighing out different carts and not taking in the whole, um, the whole train as needed based on a safety measure. And a lot of people within the train environment is calling it slash and burn. So what does that mean? Well, what happened even with with North North Southern is they have been doing and implementing this PSR strategy from 2019. So they're doing a lot of layoffs. So in order to achieve an operation ratio, what they did is this article that I wrote that I read was actually, I'm sorry, coming from 2019, just to give you time context. So I'm just going to read you a little information from it. So North Southern, Northern Southern laid out its plan to implement PSR on Monday as an, as in investor conference at the railroad Newhead HQ in, in Atlanta. The plan includes centralization operation, reducing staff, running fever, heavier, faster trains, optimizing the network in order to increase effectiveness. So what they did is in order to achieve an operation ratio of 60% by 2021, currently at 65.4, the railroad cut and reduced headcount by 500 people in 2019 and 3,000 by 2021. So we're looking at 3,500 people who were let go from this railroad company in order to help the quote-unquote PSR. Now, I think as a backlash of this, you know, and the people that they let off are the people who run the trains, they're doing maintenance, they're identifying problems that happened and in, in helping with the efficiency. Now, the big thing is, the reason why PSR is so popular is like a lot of corporations are like, oh, we need to add value to our stakeholders. In order to do that, we need to cut the people who are running it in order to work with, with money and high, high, raise the value for the stakeholders. Now, what we really have to look at here is that a lot of these trains are being ran faster and harder with less people. So what do we think is going to happen? So if you're running a train faster and harder with deadly chemicals on it and you have a you have a situation where you have a crash like that within East Palestine it only goes to show the situation now here's where it gets even crazier okay so now northern northern southerner is actually doing this thing where they're going around within the individual neighborhoods and offering checks for thousand a $1000 now what's so crazy is if you are in one mile radius of this crash, and you take that check of $1,000, then you have no right and you cannot sue North Fork Southern because then you're indicating that you're compliant and you're almost taking an agreement that you can't sue them based on that payment. So in the future, you can't ask for any more money. So this is kind of a means in which they're kind of creating this 
this this fail-safe approach and kind of putting the first thing in place. Now, I think if we see a, a train company that's willing to cut prices and run heavier, faster loads in order to create more margin, you know, no telling what they're going to do in order to cover up potentially a chemical um, a chemical leak like this of such great magnitude. And I think that's the real big issue. It's like, and what's going on and what's kind of strange is looking at stakeholders, it's like the EPA, I read the EPA from the email from the woman who's running the project and she's not even directly running it. She's corresponding the information from Tesla Tech, okay, and Arcadia. So if I read this email, it's like she's not even really kind of taking it, but it's like they're implementing and doing different things in order to get things going there, but it just it shows you that there's kind of this this weird the management of it to me is a little bit strange. And I think why the media hasn't been picking up and running with it is there's a lot of different layers to this story. And one of them is the fact that a journalist was actually arrested. So even Lambert was actually arrested for literally going into the news conference, which was two hours and 15 minutes late with the governor of Ohio, just shooting a live video. Okay, so what happened is then the police arrested him for shooting a live video, and the governor even said they overreacted. But nothing says safety and security like the police system arresting people, arresting journalists after a large chemical waste crash happens. All right, I'm just going to let that sink in. So really, I think what's happening in this situation is, you know, the, the, the need to drive margin created the crash. I think they're running bigger, faster, heavier rigs trying to cut down on the, on the population cut down on the workforce in order to create profit. And you have a situation where it was the perfect storm where this crash kind of prompted this situation where there was chemicals and and they had to burn it based on how much was there, you know, and, and that's what happened. So what happened in New Jersey whenever this chemical accident happened is they didn't burn any of it, you know, but it wasn't as much. So there's something going on with the management of what the FAA said how it reached the boiling point of the liquid in creating these situations. And I really think more to come on it. I think the real question is how much of this has leaked into the watershed? Okay. Is it going to affect people's drinking water and their livelihood? And number two, who's at blame? I honestly think looking over the information that the railroad company is at blame. I don't think it's necessarily the EPA. I think the EPA is just doing what they do and trying to work and find solutions. But I really think the majority of it will fall on this railroad company for kind of what they've been doing and kind of working on this whole PSR. Thank you.